It's time for episode 285 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March 13th, 2019. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where we spring ahead half an hour. But I guess we do it twice. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I am joined, as always, across this internet of ours by my good friend and co-host, Mr. Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I am doing well. I, I, I do have to say, though, you know, I often complain about math, but if there's one math I dislike more than other maths, it's time math. It's just I can't I can't figure it out. It's so complicated. I know. I know. And, and I, adding to this, I, I'm in Seattle, so I had to jet lag and get time change. So really, oh my Lord, everything's going great. Everything's going great. But we're here. We're here on our podcast with two we fantastic guests this week. To my left, it is a returning guest on Clockwise and a video designer at Panic. It's Krista Mergan. Hi, Krista. Hi. Welcome back. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. And to my left is a an individual of many talents, designer, game maker, writer, works at Panic. Uh, who is it? It's Nevin Mergan. Hello, Nevin. Hi there. It's great to be here with you. All right. I will kick things off today with Apple expected to announce video and magazine subscription services in just over a week. Are you feeling some subscription fatigue? How many video services do you already resubscribe to? Would Apple's take the place of one of those or just get added into the mix? Or maybe you're thinking about trimming down all of your subscription services altogether. Krista, what do you think? Oh, man, I definitely have too many subscriptions. Um, I would love to trim out several of them. I feel like um, I already do that kind of. I I, uh, cyclically subscribe to um, Hulu and to um, HBO Go or HBO Now or whatever its name is these days. Um, Just when shows I want to see are airing, I, um, I, I subscribe and then when those shows I enjoy watching are off, then I unsubscribe. Um, it would be great if Apple's streaming service um, could provide the one feature that Netflix does not, which I just would love as a parent, which is to hide shows and movies from my children, things that I don't want them to watch that, you know, like aren't bad. They're just kind of like not awesome and they're kind of garbage and just sort of like junk food I would rather they not see. So anyway, I'm excited to see what Apple's uh, video streaming service will be. The magazine subscription thing, um, I'm not excited about it yet, but I tend to always get hyped up anyway for whatever they announce. So we will see. Um, Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of the same way. Uh, when it, you know, these things first come out, I'm like, ooh, this is something new, something exciting. We can try out some new services. Um, but overall, I think I would agree. Uh, well, I guess it's it's not necessarily an agreement, but you asked about subscription fatigue. Uh, certainly, I am sort of at that point right now. Um, as much as I am interested in all of these different services that I have currently, I know I already have too much and I don't know what it's going to look like adding more or if I should add more. So it's just going to depend on sort of what the value proposition is there. And what would be great is if subscribing to these means cutting back on some of the other ones that I have out there. So I'm hoping for that to where I can sort of cut back and not have to go on a mystery hunt to figure out where this $3.99 charge came from and this $6.99 charge came from and this $5.99 charge came from. Nevin, what about you? Um, I do 
feel a bit of subscription fatigue, but also content fatigue. Uh, what, what I'm, I'm like pre-exhausted about that day when Apple <laughs> announces like 40 new shows and there's just this like social and intellectual pressure that, you know, I, I have to at least be somewhat familiar with all of them. And, um, I'm like already scripting my answer about how, no, I haven't seen the show with Reese Witherspoon or the one with, you know, whoever. So it's, it's going to be like, it's going to be a rough ride. It's like a new continent gets discovered and that's all we talk about for, for years. Um, yeah, I don't know. We, we have to have, we have to have some of these subscriptions for the kids because, you know, they, they want what they want. Uh, is Apple's going to have enough content for them? Probably not at first, maybe eventually, you know, Netflix definitely rules for them. So that one feels like it's not going away anytime soon. Maybe Apple's will be like the one that we end up agreeing on um, as the one that the family enjoys the most. Um, there's sort of a lot of rumors about the quality of content of Apple's. I feel like the names attached are amazing. So it should be really good. Others are saying, oh, maybe it's not so good. I'm almost hoping it's not good just so I can sort of justifiably say oh i don't watch those yeah i know i i totally agree with you content fatigue is a great way to put it there's just so much stuff out there and people are constantly asking like oh have you seen this show and i'm like i don't even uh-huh. know what service that's on i've never even <laughs> heard of that um so yeah it's it's overwhelming a little bit to think not only about paying all these these prices and having this sort of death of a thousand cuts of like five here six here and eight there um but also just trying to keep up with everything and, and especially feeling like i'm paying for this right so i need to get my money's worth by consuming the content i can't just right. give them money it's like you know it's that gym membership problem where it's like you just give them you know money month after month and like you try really hard to make it to the gym but then you feel guilty when you don't um for me, I, I definitely feel like I have lost subscription services in there where it's like I signed up for something, I totally forgot about it. And then like six months later, I realized I've been paying for it and not using it the whole time around. So for, for Apple services, I'm, I'm intrigued. Like Nevin said, there's there's so many there's so much good talent attached to it that I, I feel like if the content's really good, that's going to drive people in there. But at the same time, the idea that then I'll have like a sixth streaming service is really making me feel like, why isn't there just one place where I can get all of the stuff I want to watch? But I guess that is the new and, and some what depressing reality in which we live uh thanks for your thoughts on that let us go to our second topic which comes from krista oh great yeah well speaking about uh having too many things um so despite having a uh, with things which is now called healthmate wi-fi enabled scale since about 2010 or so our family has actually been pretty slow in adopting this internet of things kind of lifestyle um but i'm thinking about i've been thinking about like our tech enabled device ecosystem and sort of like we have an amazon echo dot in the kitchen that i'm still not really sold on we have a wi-fi enabled pet feeder we just bought a simply safe home security system we have wi-fi enabled outdoor um, lights so that we can, you know, time our, our uh, holiday lights and stuff like that. You get the idea. Um, so we're not even into home automation as much as some folks are, but it's just creeping in, right? Um, and Apple's home app uh, does let you control some stuff, but of course, like it doesn't work with a lot of things. So I'm wondering, um, do you think there will ever be a point at which we will be able to control all this stuff from like one central hub or will the future just be like with the subscriptions, just like a continual jumble of different tech ecosystems for your TV and your micro wave and your smart speaker and your lights and like well all of these devices that make our lives easier just continue to add layers of complication um or are we just experiencing sort of like the growing pains of still being in the early years of this iot stuff like what do you think is going to happen i want to believe that i want to believe that it is indeed just sort of growing pains um you know ever since i got into smart home stuff 
Um, I've hoped and hoped and wished that there would be sort of the one uh, platform to rule them all. And over time, I feel, you know, HomeKit in the beginning sort of got a bad rap because it was pretty crummy in the beginning uh, because of the the you know, security requirements and the fact that there weren't a lot of third party companies that were wanting to make stuff for it. And that really led to there not being a lot available. But over time, Apple has made some adjustments and more companies have hopped on board. And so HomeKit genuinely for, you know, my needs has become that one size fits all um, blanket option for controlling the stuff in my house. Uh, There may be two gadgets, two smart home things in my house that I can't use with HomeKit, but everything else, and that's a great number of things, works with HomeKit. I think that companies, you know, will continue to try to be the the sort of overarching option. But whether we are going to see uh, that true sort of blanket option that takes care of everything. I don't know because companies like control and they like to make money and, uh, sort of having one company or one option that everybody agrees on. I mean, you can't find that with pretty much anything else, but regardless of those things, I'm trying to keep a sunny disposition about it. And I'm very hopeful. Nevin, what are your thoughts? You know, when Matt Groening was first introducing his new show, Futurama, he mentioned that part of the sort of the premise of it was that he thinks that the future is just going to get more complicated and junkier. He was saying how in sci-fi, often you have this vision of the future where whether it's uh, utopian or dystopian, it's very uniform, where like there's one world language, one world government, like a uniform people wear, like one drug everyone takes or something like that. And he was saying it's not going to be like that. It's just going to be more and more and more stuff. And the old stuff is still going to be around, but we're just going to keep adding new stuff. Um, And I think that's how this is going to go. You know, HomeKit is a standard, sort of, and, you know, others have their own standards. Belkin does. So, you know, where one standard is good enough, you know, 10 will also do. So I just feel like that's the way it's going to go. It's entirely possible to make a consumer choice, like, you know, you said you did, to say, okay, well, fine, I'm going to buy HomeKit stuff. That's my thing. Just like people used to, like, buy Ford. Like, that's the car I buy. I don't need to think about it too much. Um and that that's that might be just how it is in the future. You know, we are a home kit home, uh, so that's what we do. I super doubt that there's going to be some sort of uh, grand, um, you know, system that covers everything because, as you said, nobody's really incentivized to do that. Yeah, I, I think uh, the fragmentation part of it is, I think, kind of... I think it's kind of par for the course. Like, I think what we're going to look at is essentially a, a bifurcate system. One where there are these, these large tech companies, your Amazons, your Googles, your Microsofts, your Apples, that are essentially making the standards. And then we're going to see a lot of these smaller companies uh, that are building the actual IoT devices probably either have to decide which standard am I going to support or which standards am I going to support. So I have, you know, an Echo. I have a couple HomePods. Uh, I've got some HomeKit stuff. I've got some stuff that works with, uh, you know, uh, the Echo. A lot of it nowadays seems like the the smaller device makers, the IoT device makers, are making stuff that they try to make interoperable. So it works with HomeKit. It works also with the Echo and with the Google Home, etc. And I think that's kind of the direction we're heading. There's probably going to be some stuff that lurks around the edges that doesn't, you know, only works with HomeKit or only works with Amazon's products, etc. 
but I think a lot of people, there's a vested interest in sort of the rising tide lifting all boats and having uh, things be as as interoperable, as compatible as possible. I think the, the wild card there are the companies that are really have a vested interest in, you know, doing their own IoT system. And, and someone like Belkin might be a, a player in that. But even they are trying to, I think, work more with all these big, you know, big protocols from the major tech companies because... That's where the money is. That's where people are investing in their in their sort of infrastructure level products. So I don't think we'll necessarily have like one system to rule them all, but I do think that we'll have a few major players, and then support for those major players, you know, will be sort of percolated throughout the the smaller players in the ecosystem. Krista, any last thoughts? Yeah, no, I like that. I like the idea of you know inter- interoperability, and I think it's sort of unavoidable to have, like you said, um, just a few major players who are sort of. Uh, setting the standards for everything. I just don't want to end up with like five different remotes for a home entertainment system, you know, whatever the IoT uh, equivalent for that is. Um, anyway, thanks everyone for your thoughts on that. Excellent. Well, that is two topics down, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise, and this week's episode is brought to you by our friends at FreshBooks. Look, everybody likes to save time, but it's especially important when you are a freelancer, like me. Our friends at FreshBooks can save you up to 192 hours with their super simple cloud accounting software for freelancers. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people to deal with their paperwork. FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time doing the things that you're really good at. And with the new projects feature, you can share files and messages with your clients, contractors, and employees. You'll see how quickly things happen when all your conversations live in one place. If you're listening to this and you're not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it out. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show. No credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com clockwise and enter clockwise in the how did you hear about us section. We'd like to thank FreshBooks for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, halftime is over. Micah, what do you have for us? All right, so Spotify this morning filed a complaint with the European Union against Apple. Uh, Spotify alleges the company continues to give themselves an unfair advantage at every turn. Uh, this is specifically about Apple Music and how competitors who try to exist on the platform aren't getting the same treatment. So my question is pretty simple. I just would like to know your thoughts regarding Spotify's argument and sort of this overarching idea of Apple uh, allegedly not playing fair on their platform. I took a look at Spotify's site this morning. So there's two components to it. There's the website, which is a PR move. It's meant for the average consumer to explain the situation to them, to get sympathy from them. And then there's the lawsuit. I have no idea about the lawsuit, how well that's going to go. We'll see. I think the EU will probably be pretty open to Spotify's argument. They have been in in the past. Um, As for the website, I think it's clear. It explains the situation, but it also honestly to me looked a little bit childish and petulant. And I don't, I think a lot of consumers will look at that and go, yeah, 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 you're just complaining because you're a smaller company. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Personally, um, it's a, it's a huge issue, uh, you know, like the, the issue of monopoly in, in, in tech. Uh, I do think that it's kind of gone a little bit far. I think about something like a local video store here in town called Movie Madness, where you can go and you can pick up literally any movie you can think of, new or old. I mean, if you've ever heard of a movie, you go in there and you pay your 
$2 rental fee and you have the movie and you take it home. And it's simply a place that's free of protecting their own content or having like legal infighting between two players out there affect their catalog. They just have it. And you as the consumer can completely legally watch it now. And that's awesome. And I wish that more of modern, like contemporary tech content was like that instead you know we have like a roku and an apple tv and i tend to prefer the the roku as just as a as a you know as a box to use but i can't watch apple's content on it and i just think it's kind of an annoying situation and as a consumer i sort of don't care about the business incentives behind that i just want to you know get what i want to get uh you know if i've paid for it just let me watch it so in that sense i do wish that there were a little less uh you know monopoly going around yeah spotify's argument is one of those things that like everything it's it's neither a totally bad argument nor a totally great argument there are a (laughs) lot of parts of it that that are that hold water i i do think that ever since apple has decided like not only are we going to take sort of a 30 percent cut of apps on the app store but we're also going to charge that for people who want to make subscriptions or in-app purchases Uh, it's gotten a lot tougher to support. And as the app industry has gotten larger and larger, that 30% charge is starting to look more and more outsized uh, in terms of what's being provided. Uh, And certainly there are issues of scale here. Uh, Apple is maintaining a huge infrastructure for this and to take some cut out of it in order to sort of prop up the infrastructure is great. But they also have a sort of conflict of interest because they also want to grow their revenue and services and basically being able to do that by charging a huge percentage while not necessarily providing a lot of additional features is great for them and not so great for the people who are on their platform. I agree with Nevin that some of the stuff does come across as petulant. A lot of the stuff about like, they keep changing the rules and like, yes, there are definitely App Store rules that have been problematic and enforced unevenly at times. But Spotify also has a vested interest in trying to find ways to get around those rules or loopholes for those rules. So there's blame to go around on both sides on that one. I do think having Apple Music and then having a store on which competitors to Apple Music are sold is the kind of thing that the European Union is going to take a hard look at because that does kind of make you think, well that clearly there are going to be competitive advantages for Apple where it can use its product and leverage technologies that it's not going to let people on its platform do. And that's the kind of thing that the EU has traditionally taken uh, kind of a, a not too much of a shine towards. So I think that will be interesting to see how that shakes out. I don't think all of Spotify's complaints have merit, but I think they have a couple that do. Oh, yeah, I agree. I um, I mean, I don't fully agree with, with um, Spotify either, but I um, I do think that it's just completely uneven and unfair. I mean, so obviously um, Apple themselves don't bear the same burden for their streaming music service that, um, that Spotify does, but it's just the, um, the sort of selective enforcement of these rules. I mean, I think that that's really unfair. Different companies pay different fees or none at all. Like, I mean, Lyft, for example, I don't think pays 30% on what its customers pay for their service. But anyway, so I, I agree to, um, I agree with them in, in part. Um, and just the like the Apple App Store rules that do keep changing, and again are just unevenly enforced um, in in like terms of like linking to outside promotions or other websites or you know ways to get the product. Um, that's unfair, especially if you're Spotify and you've sort of figured out your price point based on what the market will bear, and then you have to increase it. Um, but Apple doesn't. That just makes it really uneven. But I also want to point out here that like Spotify and all of these streaming music services are also really unfair in themselves and like how they treat yes. smaller musical artists mm-hmm. um, whose music they stream. I mean, they just totally bilk those people, basically. It really sucks. But hey, it's capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so Krista, thank you for, for mentioning that. Um, you know, I, I agree with, with pretty much what everyone's saying here. I think we all are kind of on the same line. There are some points that make sense and some points that, uh, don't make sense and some points that are just like, well, while we're, while we're jabbing, let me throw this in too. I think that the biggest thing here, uh, that I love to see sort of come out of this, it's that, Apple would just be more consistent about the the rules that it applies. Um, so I'm hoping that through all of this, that's kind of the the big thing that comes out because it's not just big companies that have that complaint. It is also I've seen plenty of indie app developers um, and you know smaller groups talk about the inconsistency of Apple's rulings on those guidelines. And so if a big company filing a complaint with the EU to make it easier for all developers, then I'm totally on board. All righty, that takes care of that. And let's go ahead and move on to our last topic, which comes from Nevin. When I was young, um, computers were new, they were cool, and I liked tinkering with them just to tinker with them. I would see a new machine and I would explore its hardware, the OS it was running, and every program on it, even the ones I didn't really need myself at all. I liked the, um, for lack of a better word, the medium of computers. Now, the last time I remember doing this in my life was with the original iPhone. When I brought that home, I dug through all of it. I looked at like all the settings, even the tedious network settings, just hoping to like spot a new kind of UI control or something new that they've done with computers. Eventually, this excitement wore out. So nowadays, I mostly use technology to like meet my creative goals or just accomplish everyday tasks. I'm wondering, did you follow a similar arc in your relationship with technology where you went from sort of like disassembling your machine just for fun or customizing it endlessly to just wanting your writing app to work well so you can write what's in your head? Amen. Uh, I think there's a lot of different. I love this. this. There are so many different things going on here, and I totally, I totally feel this all the time. And, and there are a few different factors. One, I think, is my job has always been about looking at technology and basically poking into its details, and that gets fatiguing over time. Uh, and that sort of plays into part two, which is that as technology progresses and becomes more and more part of our everyday lives, it loses some of its novelty. Uh, I imagine that the first people who were like flying planes were like, this is amazing. You're in a plane. And nowadays, all we do is complain about how tight the seats are and when the internet's not working and we can't watch our TV on our planes, right? Like I, I, as it becomes something that is more expected and more part of daily life, we become sort of inured to it. Uh, and I think that's just a function of, of how so many of those things work. And so this combination of all those factors definitely mean like because a um, computer or an iPhone or a tablet have become like tools that we use in our everyday lives and we're just so accustomed to having them work and be the things that we need that when a new one comes out and we're like, well, does this really help me get what I'm trying to do, like trying to get done any better like am i any better at writing things because i've got a new writing app on a new fancy laptop probably not um so yeah i think a lot of that is about novelty wearing off but i definitely miss it which is sad but also i think just kind of the way things go i definitely um spent hours just sort of yeah digging around into like weird like library like folders and directories and like just looking at all of that stuff in the os at the the deeper levels i never was a tinkerer in the sense of like taking something apart physically to 
see how it worked. I was just never one of those kids, but I do remember spending hours and hours just, yeah, sort of like poking around and seeing what, what all was buried in there and like seeing how many different voices I could hear, you know, isn't it nice to have a computer that will talk to you? And, um, <laughs> and I do kind of miss that. I think part of it is that I'm, it is getting older and it's not just that the novelty is wearing off. Although I do agree with you there that Dan, but um, it's just that I don't have time, you know, like when I was a kid, I had these endless hours to sort of follow every curiosity. And, you know, you have this sort of idle boredom time that you don't have when you become an adult and you have, you know, pressing uh, deadlines and jobs and responsibilities. And, you know, when you're adulting, um, you just can't be poking around in the, uh, in the library directories and stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I I think we all kind of are are feeling the same way uh, about this. Certainly, when a new technology first comes out, I can remember when uh, HomeKit first came out, and I was digging around in all of the stuff, all of the code and looking into it and, and trying to find all the, you know, fun things that people were going to be able to do with it and sort of the stuff that was available at the time. And, uh, when, when they added like the ability for individual makers to create stuff with it so much fun, but after a while it does just kind of become the, okay, now I just kind of want this to work. That was uh, fun to get to know the whole thing, but if that's not going to be something that's helpful for me every day, eh, then I don't really, I don't really need to keep focusing on it. Um, that said, I think it can still be fun to sort of take that time to, to tinker and, and find things, you know, that you want to play around with. Uh, so I do still tinker, but, uh, for the most part, it's just, it's easier to sort of just let things work and and sort of know that you've already dug into it. Uh, Nevin, any last thoughts on that? Yeah, there's that saying about how, you know, when you're young, you have more time than money. And when you grow up, you have more money than time. <laughs> you know, and you start just like paying to, to have problems go away. I think the other thing is also that, you know, my first computer was a Commodore 64. And while I was not like a super nerd about it, still, that was such such a simple, small machine compared to anything today that it was feasible that someone like me could understand how it works for the most part. Whereas today, like even my car, which is not a computer, it has a computer, but that's not its primary purpose. Even my car has more settings and, and you know, switches and knobs than I care to mess with. So I just don't, you know, you pay like, you know, $40,000 for a car and then you just, sit in and I'm like, I just need to drive to a place. I don't care. <laughs> There's, you know, all these pages of settings on the touchscreen or whatever. Just don't care. As a kid, had you given me that, that would have been like a solid three months, like a whole summer spent <laughs> digging through all the car settings. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. All right. That is four topics down. We have just enough time for a bonus topic, but before we do, I'd like to turn it over to Micah to tell us about our other sponsor this week. Yes. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by ExpressVPN. We can probably all hold our hands up and admit cybercrime is something we think happens to other people because who would want your data, right? Bad news is stealing data from people like you and me using public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest ways for hackers to make money. If you leave your internet connection unencrypted, all the stuff that you type in is vulnerable on those public Wi-Fi networks. But 
there's something you can do to protect yourself from those folks. You can start using ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing. It encrypts your data and hides your public IP address. And with easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background on all of your devices, you can turn on ExpressVPN protection with just one click, and then you're free to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped or having your personal data stolen. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar, and it even comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. ExpressVPN was kind enough to provide us with some time using the app, and one of the things that surprised me was how available it is on so many different platforms. So I was able to download it on my iOS device, on macOS, and my iPad, and all these different devices. Uh, it was super simple to do, and like they said, one click, that's true. For less than seven bucks a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I've got. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need ExpressVPN. So go to expressvpn.com slash clockwise to learn more. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash clockwise. Once again, that's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash clockwise for three months free with a one-year package. Thanks so much to ExpressVPN for their support of Clockwise and all of Relay FM. Dan, hit us with that bonus topic. All right. I just had to fly out to Seattle. As I mentioned, well, I made me curious, what is your favorite mode of transportation? Krista? Definitely biking, but um, I will say that I prefer biking in the summer. So if I could only bike in the summer, but have it be, you know, like that weather, just wall biking, like all the time, that'd be great. Uh, magical Mary Poppins umbrella. <laughs> I'm um, uh, uh, walking if I'm exploring a new city, biking for getting around my own city, and trains for long-distance travel. Mm, yeah, I, I would go with trains and subways. I really love using metros in like when I travel to other cities. Well, we have reached the end of our show. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week, Kristen Mergon. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And Nevin Mergon, thank you so much for being here. No, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and, Michael, we've reached the end of another show, so all that remains is for us to remind everybody out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>